Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. The musical partnership between Alistair Fraser, who's been called the Michael Jordan of Scottish fiddling, and California cellist Natalie Haas spans the full spectrum from intimate chamber music to ecstatic dance energy. Charles Yang, who was awarded the 2018 Leonard Bernstein Award, plays classical violin with the charisma of a rock star, according to the Boston Globe. And according to the Texas Observer, Mr. Yang is a true crossover artist, a pioneer who can hop between classical and popular music and bring fresh ideas to fans of both genres. Well, today on Access Utah, we're spotlighting the ongoing Moab Music Festival. We're talking with Alistair Fraser, Natalie Haas, and Charles Yang, all of whom are performing at the festival. We're going to also hear a music performed by these uh, artists. Uh, as I mentioned, the uh, Moab Music Festival is ongoing, various uh, performances through September 14th. Um, and all of this uh, socially distanced and uh, appropriate uh, during the pandemic. And you can find out more at moabmusicfest.org. That's moabmusicfest.org. Many artists, uh, prominent artists uh, performing, and uh, we've got three uh, with us on the program uh, today. Before we jump into my conversation with Alistair Fraser and Natalie Haas, uh, let's hear a little bit of music performed by those two. Um and uh, this is, it was described by Natalie Haas as one of her favorite uh, pieces. Let's just hear a minute or two uh, from a piece called Josephine's Waltz. So let me start with you, uh, Natalie Haas. Uh, tell me a little bit about that. I, I know you've performed at the Moab Music Festival uh, a few times. T- tell me about this, what the, the setting and, and, and how it is. Yes, um, I've been there uh, many times over the years, actually, with different uh, formations of uh, ensembles. Um, and uh, it is just one of the most incredible places on earth. And I, I feel very privileged to get to come back there this year, especially considering uh, what's going on in the world. Um, this is going to be our first gig in six months, and uh, we're so thankful to get to play for people <laughs> live again um, in, in such a special place as Moab um, and in a safe way. In a safe way, how how are they doing that? Uh, to be outside, will it, or what? Uh... 
Outside, yeah, everybody's wearing masks and socially distance um, uh, ourselves on stage as well as the audience and uh, uh, hand sanitizer and um, stations. And um, I think they're doing a great job. So um, we feel very lucky to be working with them. Alistair Frazier, these are these are strange times. Uh, I imagine not performing as much, or are you back to performing a little bit? <laughs> no, it's been a, a, a time to recalibrate, really, and um, there's been a lot of soul searching and you know trying to find different avenues. Um, uh, as Natalie said, you know, I think we played our our, our, our pre. COVID gig, uh, well, just to the edge there on, on March. And then we've been, uh, you know, we've had various projects in, in tow since then. We, we, we're making an album together. So we could do that at a distance. And, um, you know, we can always be creative and uh, that kind of thing. But it, but really the sharp end of playing music is, is playing in a communal setting, I think, where, where people can can listen and, and get the the sense of sharing something together and uh, uh that's what we miss and that that is what is uh delightfully on the on the cards <laughs> at moab so we're thrilled um because we do get to gather and, and to share and to gather around music is what we believe in you mentioned uh, soul searching. Does it, it will will there be some soul searching going into some songwriting during this time? Oh, absolutely. I think so. I, I mean, uh, I think that's one of the great uh, things about music that that the art is that it's there for us to to examine and to to celebrate and to um, you know to 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 reflect honestly what we're feeling. Uh, um, and it could be joyous, and it could be more reflective, and 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 we do tend to cover those kinds of areas in our our programming anyway. But yeah, um, having the, the pandemic has definitely given us a an opportunity to think about um, what it means to to live in this time, and and also uh, to be thankful for the the people that you you miss even more because you can't see them. <laughs> Right, because yeah, miss even more. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some there's some bright spots, right? Some things that you can uh, glass half full type things. Mm. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Uh, Natalie House, I want to read the, a paragraph um, from your website, NatalieHouse.com. <laughs> um, this this struck me. Uh, so you say the world at large, and especially musicians, are having a rough time now. Looking at canceled gigs for the foreseeable future, in addition our, to our entire livelihood being threatened as to what we do, bringing people together, is no longer safe. If and when we overcome this and come out on top, it'll be time to rebuild and rethink. On the positive side, we will always, all caps, always need music. Hopefully by summer, and by that I mean fiddle camp time, we will be ready to <laughs> gather, again, gather again and celebrate being human together with the aid of music and dance to help us process our emotions and rebuild our communities. That's, uh, that, that's powerful. I found that very powerful. Um, it, it is, I mean, it's tough as a musician, right? But uh, you, you, uh, you say you're going to rebuild and rethink on the positive side. 
Absolutely, yeah. And and um, I think I wrote that back in March. Um, and so I was hoping it would be this summer, but now it's probably looking like next year at least. And, you know, so much uncertainty. But um, we do, as Elster was saying, it's been a good time to do some soul searching and just be thankful for all of the amazing times we've had playing music, traveling the world, building communities at fiddle camps and um, throughout the globe. And uh, these are the people that we're, we're missing right now. And we're trying to find ways to, to stay connected with each other, even if it's not in person. Um, and I, I just find myself being so grateful for all of these uh, communities um, that we're not able to connect with in a, in a, uh, a physical way right now, but still feeling very connected to um, despite our distance. And that's a lot, a lot of what music is, right? It's connection. And so this is connecting in a Absolutely. different way. Hopefully get back to connecting in person, right? Yeah, I was just so, so thankful to Moab Music Festival for giving us the opportunity to do that. Yeah. Elster Frazier, I wanted to uh, I want to have you talk a little bit about a couple of interesting things from your bio. Um, I hadn't known this until I went to Um that you... You studied science and music at school, apparently, and went to work as a petrophysicist with British Petroleum. That took you to California in 1981. Uh, that I guess people who know you <laughs> as a musician uh, would be surprised to learn you started out as a petrophysicist. I, I guess so. And, it, you know, it's it's been such an interesting journey. And the way I think... I've always thought it is, I'm curious about things. You know, I, I I was very interested in physics. I was interested in science. I still am. I like to know how things work, what makes them tick, um, and that that of course builds a bridge into music and the arts, and uh, they really do come together. And so, in the you know early stages of my life, I was always playing music, but I was definitely interested in. A, exploring uh, and you know I just kind of kind of accidentally really ended up following a, a career in physics and and then who would have thought I ended up in oil exploration which gave me a great excuse to travel um, and so I, I would do that and I would take a fiddle everywhere I went uh, and um, all the while asking you know, what were the merits of a life led in in science versus a life led in following the arts and the muse? And eventually, actually fairly early on, <laughs> the muse won out. I, I like the idea of solving the questions posed by the muse. Uh, uh, but I still, you know, I keep my hand in following what's going on in the sciences and try to bring it all together. I think there is a... A common, it's a common symptom, really, for for a lot of musicians to to have had a background in some other area, um, and uh, they really do. They help each other, I think. You you think there are some common impulses? Yeah. Well, even you know, I did an article on this one time years ago. It was if you you can distill it down to a search for. For harmony or for pat- patterns, you know, pattern behavior and, and um, possibilities, and you know, it, it, music really does uh, depend on a lot of 
those elements as do the sciences. And so it, it's it's wonderful to to have that whole area of investigation, and then to to have a background in that maybe and plug it into the music. But but I have to say, once you pick up a violin and you play, and Madeline and I play, or, um, you know that that all disappears, and you're entirely flying in a, in a musical in, in environment and seeking some kind of oneness with, with the person that you're playing with and with the, what the music is is asking. And so it's, it's a privilege, really, to, to do that. So Natalie Haas, you went to Juilliard, I think, right? What was, what was your goal? What, what did you think you were going to end up doing? <laughs> well, unlike uh, um, these people Alistair's talking about who had a previous career, no, I, I kind of knew from the beginning that I wanted to go into music, and having discovered uh, traditional music at a very early age through Alistair, actually in his fiddle camps um, in California where I grew up, um, I went to Juilliard because it was kind of my only uh, opportunity to, to study music, even though, uh, I mean, uh, most uh, classic, most I should say, um, have a classical music background, and uh, I did start with classical music, um, but then discovered that there was this whole other world out there of uh, music surrounding the fiddle um, in various uh, parts of the, the world, mostly the ones that I came in contact with were from North Atlantic, Celtic music, and um, music from Europe and um, North America as well, and uh, so... Um, yeah, I went, I went to Juilliard kind of knowing I wanted to study music, not really having many opportunities in this country to study traditional music in a college setting. Um, so I, I just wanted to become better at my instrument. So I, I did Juilliard for four years. Uh, it took to get my bachelor's degree, but Alistair and I were actually touring um, that entire time um, with our fiddle, cello, Scottish music duo. And... Uh, continued to do that once I, I ended my conservatory studies. So um, I, I'm very, feel very lucky that I was informed um, by that wonderful um, education and, and getting a, a good solid technique and uh, um, just now I'm able to use that to, to play the, the kind of music that I love. Elster Prager, I wondered, uh, tell me a bit about uh, I guess, searching for a cellist, finding uh, Natalie. It's, it's, uh, on your on the website, uh, you say since 2003, Alistair has featured a duo with cellist uh, Natalie Haas, restoring the wee fiddle with the big fiddle partnership that flourished in the 18th century Scotland. So that this this flourished uh, earlier. Uh, nowadays, we you know until I guess you and Natalie started touring, you, you wouldn't have thought about a fiddle and cello with Scottish music. Yeah, it's such a beautiful thing, and you know, it, going back to that inquisitive mind that I, I can have sometimes. <laughs> I, I grew up in Scotland playing traditional music, and like Natalie, you know, I was I was also playing in classical areas. But I, my my soul and my heart was interested in following the, the story of traditional music, my own culture, and where the music had been, and where where was it, where was it going. And how how could I have a voice in it, and how could I share my my joy of it? And I would play for many years with a, with a pianist, which I loved, and I would play in smaller ensembles. But I knew that the dances that that were very popular in Scotland, in Perthshire, in the, in the countryside, and also at the 
at the large gatherings in, in the city, at the assembly rooms in Edinburgh, for example, in the 18th century into the 19th century, these dances were played for by a fiddle and a cello. And the fiddler was, was um, you know, playing a lot of the, the fashionable dance tunes of the day, and the cellist would be making up uh, an accompaniment to these tunes. And that was the dance band of choice in Scotland, in the village hall and in the, the, the great gatherings. And so I, I, I began to wonder what happened to it. You know, why, why did people stop doing that? And, uh, of course, largely that would takes us to the piano, and the piano kind of um, elbowed out the cello a little bit, as it did in some Baroque musical areas. Um, so we we decided to to put the cello back in there and give it its its rightful position in the center of the tradition. And uh, we haven't looked back since, really, because uh, I speaking personally, I was very fortunate to find someone like Natalie, who was just absolutely uh, excited at the idea of asking what the cello could do in that situation and and went hook, line and sinker into kind of redefining the cello in traditional music. So um, it's been just a fantastic, thrilling time. I'd like to get your perspective on that, uh, Natalie. Um, <laughs> redefining, rediscovering, exploring what, what uh, cello can do in traditional music. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I... Um, as I said, I, I went to Elster's camps as a kid, um, and that was my first exposure to traditional music. I, I um, got uh, introduced to, well, just the possibility that cello could be an element um, in that music there um, with Abby Newton, who's a great American uh, cellist playing Scottish music, more of that Baroque style uh, kind of figured bass um, so that that's what people had been doing up up until then in Scottish music and and I was um coming to it not you know as an american um as an outsider uh learning this music that wasn't my own so i I felt sort of more of a creative license to to do my own thing to it, so I was he- very heavily influenced by um especially by Alistair but also by um some wonderful uh, pioneers of the string world. I think we're, we're living through a really exciting age for, for string music and uh, in the last 20 or 30 years or so. And um, Daryl Anger, a wonderful fiddle player and uh, founding member of the Turtle Island String Quartet, um, he uh, pioneered this rhythmic technique called the chop, which I adopted for myself um, and started using in, in Celtic music. And um, that just opened up my whole palette to, you know, uh, expanding the cello's vocabulary to make it less of a bass instrument and more of a percussive instrument. So that's kind of been my, my personal journey, um, just trying to develop all the possible colors that I can that the cello can make. It's a very versatile instrument. It can play melody. It can imitate a guitar or a harp or a bass or uh, many other things. So I've, you know, and especially with just the two of us in in the band, um, it's uh, very liberating for for me to, um, I have a a very broad scope of uh, experimentation available to me of of all the different kinds of sounds I can make. And and so we're we're still exploring 
uh, what these two instruments can do together, uh, even after 20 years. <laughs> uh, even after 20 years, yeah. Uh, so tell me about the latest. Is is Ports of Call, is that the latest recording? Yeah, that one came out, uh, it's been three years now, I think, and we've been working on the newest one since then, and uh, we're, we're kind of taking our time and, and getting it just the way we want it. So uh, that one should be coming out very soon as well. Uh, Alistair Frazier, anything you want to say about the, the the one you're working on now? Yeah, um, I'm actually, well, of course, we're not always excited. I think Natalie and I have said a couple of times in this, this um, interview that we're, we're excited, and I think that that is a... Um, it's amazing to 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 have music in your life in that way, and to have it be that real, you know, and in the moment and, and alive. And uh, because we're not only playing the music from our our heroes in the past, going back through the centuries, we're asking questions. You know, we're saying what now, what if, and so a lot of increasingly our our palette, our, our repertoire is um, original composition, um, and this next album that we're about to put release um, is entirely our own compositions. And all the albums have had a, a smattering of our own compositions, but this next one is is a, a more of a statement in, in that direction. Uh, you know, we. we We've lived in the music, we've experimented with it, we've tested it, and then, and then you take these ideas and you fold it into something new and put it out there. Um, so that, that's what the next one is about, and, and it is, it's exciting. It, it's a, you move forward in trepidation when you're, <laughs> when you're releasing something that's that personal. And I'm delighted to say that Natalie has uh, many more composi- of her own compositions on this next album uh, which again we are excited about and um, yeah it's it's very as I say alive the music traditional music is often thought to be uh, old music but in fact the, the health of a tradition is dependent on how how well it it renews itself you know going forward and I often think about that in the, you know, in the 18th century when they were composing these fiddle tunes for the dances. These were brand new tunes that were written on demand because there was a hunger for that music, and uh, that continues now. The, the, there's a very healthy uh, scene around uh, traditional music, and part of that means we have to create new material. Mm. So that's that's the, the goal right now. I see in your joint website, which is Alistair and uh, Natalie dot com. There's a there's a video of uh, it might be new music string sessions, Alistair and Natalie. Uh-huh. So, yeah, uh, take a listen to that. Uh, Natalie, I wanted to ask you. Uh, we just have a couple minutes left here. I was tooling around both your websites. You have the joint website, and then there's NatalieHaas dot com and there's AlistairFraser dot com. Um, all those websites there there's a there's a taste. You have some songs that you can listen to. And uh, from your recording called Abundance, there's a song I was uh-huh. I was enjoying this, and then I then I was then I read uh, what the words mean. It's it's the song on the wings of a scory. Oh yes, <laughs> you yeah. Tell, there's, tell there's us about some that. Great imagery with that with that um, 
tune. It's it's a actually a modern. Alistair was talking about the living tradition, and it's a modern tune from the Shetland Islands. And when we say modern, we probably mean in the last thirty years or so. Unfortunately, the the guy who wrote it, Michael Ferry. Uh, passed away um, when he was uh, quite young, and this is probably maybe 15 years ago now or some 20 years ago. Um, but anyway, the the story is that he was uh, watching his cat play outside in the garden, and uh, this uh, they call it a, a scory in Shetland. It's kind of like a large gull um, swept down, landed, and uh, the cat was very curious and and jumped onto the back of the of the seagull, who then took off <laughs> with the cat on board, um, and uh, Michael witnessed this whole scene uh, happening from his uh, window and um, wrote a tune about it. It definitely merited the tune. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure what the outcome was, if the cat survived or or what, <laughs> but it's, it's nice to sort of want to, you, you get to make up your own ending. <laughs> it's, it's quite the image. It's quite the image. Um, yeah. <laughs> and as you say, we, you know, and Alistair did as well earlier in this interview, we, we tend to think of traditional music as all being having been composed way back in the, in the day. So it's interesting to have, you know, quote unquote, newly or newish composed traditional music. Absolutely, yeah. What wonderful new tunes out there um, from all over. Yeah. Uh, it, 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 Alistair Frazier, do you have a do you have a favorite tune, favorite piece of music? I guess it's probably what you're working on lately. <laughs> oh wow! Well, you know, when you're in the middle of a project, your your head and your heart is absolutely full to bulging with the material that you're working on. <laughs> um, you kind of miss, especially when you've created it yourself, you're, you're kind of massaging it and you're thinking about it, you're about to release it, and, and uh, so you become cons- consumed by it. But um, favorite tune that we play, I don't know, I I, I feel so uh, rich in that I, the repertoire Natalie and I play spans that area from old tunes like the Duchess of Bedford, by William Marshall, which I think is a such a tasty morsel, you know, and it's it's so beautifully uh, written and it's very very short. And when I play that with Natalie, I just go to a, a really special place, and, and it's it's more of an 18th century Baroque kind of a place. And then when we play some of our other material, which is much more wild dance music, or it's more um, uh, questioning, as I say, compositionally, more of our original material, uh, that gives me a different kind of a, a thrill to, to play that. So uh, I think just I just celebrate the richness and, and the breadth, the breadth repertoire that we get to dip into. Hmm. Uh, so final question, uh, Natalie, with the same question to you. Do you have a favorite <laughs> tune, piece, album? Yeah, well, oh, man, of our own music. Uh, yeah, or anything. <laughs> oh, that's a that's a hard question. Uh, yeah, I won't help um, you at all. I won't narrow down. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was actually looking forward to see what Alistair's answer would be about uh, tunes from the new album because uh, he hasn't actually told me what his favorite piece is yet. Um, we've been like deep in the mixing and editing process, and uh, so as he says, yes, we're very. De- um, absorbed by by that music right now but favorite tune of all time um i guess yeah 
from our own music because that's a narrower field to, to, with, from which to choose. Um, it's actually uh, not our composition, it's, um, and this is, this is still my favorite tune of all time. It's one that we've recorded, but it's uh, written by a Swedish guitarist from the band Vessen, a traditional trio from Sweden, and uh, they're uh, just incredibly inventive uh, musicians and um still my my favorite uh band to listen to um and it's the tune is josephine's waltz it's just a beautiful melody just perfectly constructed in in my opinion <laughs> and we recorded it on our on our first album uh, fire and grace oh it sounds sounds wonderful well, we've uh, reached the end of our time. We'll uh, look forward to having uh, each of you in uh, in Moab for the Moab uh, Music Festival. And it's it's been a pleasure. Uh, Alistair Frazier, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a pleasure talking with you. And uh, Natalie House, thank you. Thank you for having us. My conversation with Alistair Fraser and Natalie Haas, they'll be performing at the Moab Music Festival. You can find out, uh, which is ongoing, by the way, uh, through September 14th, a uh, bunch of concerts in unusual settings, uh, in a grotto, uh, at a ranch, uh, and more traditional settings, and all uh, physically distanced, uh, so to keep keep us safe during the uh, during the pandemic. Moabmusicfest.org is the place to go. I uh, wanted to go out um, with this segment with a wonderful uh, tune, which you can find on Natalie Haas's uh, website. And we uh, we talked about this uh, near the end of this interview. Um, this is a playful tune about a kitten riding on the back of a gull. This is called On the Wings of a Scory. Let's go out this section with this uh, piece, about three minutes.
Programming on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our members and Les Olson Company, partnering with businesses by outsourcing technical support and managed IT services. Information at lesolsoncompany.com. This is Amy Anderson for Bringing More to Life. We are grateful for the many ways our families and communities support the residents of nursing homes, assisted living centers, and seniors everywhere. This population is at greater risk for being affected by COVID-19. Nursing homes and assisted livings across the nation have placed restrictions on visitors to protect their residents. However, restricting visits does not mean curtailing communication from family and friends. We encourage you to use email, FaceTime, Skype, snail mail, or a simple old-fashioned telephone call to check in with the seniors you know. Communicate with their family or care center to find the best way to connect. Together, we will continue to provide the physical and social support our community members deserve and desire. Support for bringing more to life on Utah Public Radio is made possible in part by our listeners and the Sunshine Terrace Foundation in Logan. Advancing wellness, independence, dignity, and comfort. Information at sunshineterrace.com. Thanks for listening to Access U Time. Tom Williams, we're uh, spotlighting the Moab Music Festival, which is ongoing. It'll be running through September 14th in uh, Moab and surrounding areas. And uh, we talked earlier in the program with uh, Alistair Fraser and Natalie Haas, who are performing. We now bring in Charles Yang, who's uh, one of the headline performers at the uh, festival. Um, and uh, we're going to hear a little bit of music performed by uh, Charles Yang as we go along here as well. Uh, Charles Yang, welcome to the program. Hey, Tom. Great to be here. Uh, good, good to have you with us. So, where am I? Where are you talking to me from? I'm in New York right now. You're in New York. Okay. How are things in New York I right mean, now? It's, yeah, New York is, um, you know, we had it rough for a little bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, the city is, is back. You know, the city is, uh, the energy is there again. You know, we're, we're being safe. But, uh, but yeah, uh, people are eating outside, dining outside, and um, enjoying the day. Oh, it's wonderful. It, it's good to hear New York is back. Is that, is that your base? You're, you're based in New York these days? Yep, oh. I uh, actually moved during this quarantine, which oh. was uh, <laughs> which was tough. Oh, oh you did? But, uh, yeah, I, I I moved apartments, and it was just a big hassle. But uh, I'm ready to I'm ready to see some of the beautiful Utah scenery. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah, now you performed out in Moab before, I think. Yeah, I think this might be my I don't remember, but a good six or seven years I've been coming to Moab. Yeah, this is this is an interesting festival. You got music hikes, you've got uh, community concerts. Um, you'll be performing uh, Charles Jing at a, a ranch benefit concert out at a ranch. Um, uh, grotto concerts, so a lot of beautiful venues. Yep. Yeah, uh, it's it's truly something special. I mean, you know, as performers, um, we've played you know so many different venues from you know Carnegie Hall to to, to you know big arenas or, or whatnot. Um, but there's something so special about what you all have in Moab. And this festival really kind of um, portrays that. It's just playing out in nature where music um, is rarely heard, but it's the perfect amphitheater. All these natural environments, um, some of the greatest reverbs I've heard, you know, some, some incredible acoustics within the grottos. It's just, it's unbelievable and it's magical for both the performers and the audience members. It, and it, and especially now during these times where 
we can't perform indoors at these uh, concert venues. This is the perfect um, venue, <laughs> you know. Yeah, I should so. point uh, point out um, MoabMusicFest.com <clears throat> is is the place to go to to find out uh, more, get your uh, get your tickets, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And they they do stress it's going to be socially distanced, uh, you know, all precautions taken. A lot of these uh, events are outdoors, so that helps as well. So uh, I, I'm imagining you know, as a performer, the pandemic can't help but have affected you, right? Uh, fewer performances, maybe. Oh sure, I mean it's all. Yeah, usually during this time, we're just, um, or well, any time, we're on tour. So uh, just having a four-month break, of uh, four months of no, no touring was just such a, I haven't felt this since college, you know, this kind of lifestyle. And, and, of course, it's heartbreaking. So many concerts canceled. So many organizations um, have needed to fold because of this pandemic. But the music lives on. And uh, the musicians are, uh, I think, uh, every day we've been being creative and practicing at home. It's just that there's so much. The silver lining is that there's there might be so much creativity that comes out of this. And um, I think that will be showcased at this festival. I, I'm just looking at the lineup and just listening to Natalie and Alistair play. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I, I'm such big fans. And um, it's a great lineup at, uh, in Moab that's going to happen. Uh, I want to talk about uh, a crossover. You've been uh, described as a true crossover artist, a pioneer who can hop between classical, <clears throat> popular music, bring fresh ideas to fans of both the genres. That's quoting the Texas Observer there. Um, so you're, you know, perform with Time for Three and collaborated with uh, Peter Dugan and uh, Jake Shimabukuro and uh, um, John Batiste and many other artists. Uh, tell me a little bit about this. You, this this uh, taste for uh, I guess you you want to include a lot of different music genres. Yeah, yeah sure. I mean, crossover is a it, it's it's a term. I, I guess the the real thing is just yeah, going doing different genres. You know, crossing over really it's just a term that the industry uses. But um, for me, it's it's um, just being curious with music, and I've always been curious with music. It started with you know learning the blues uh, from where I was born and raised in Austin, Texas. And, and and transferring that over to how I can input that in my classical um, livelihood. Uh, but I soon realized that everything I learned in classical, different styles, Baroque, Romantic styles, contemporary styles, all the styles that we play in classical music is technically different genres, just put into one category. So um, there's just so many different styles that you can hop between and for me i just went the extreme you know i i, I re- i'm really curious about um as i said blues and and r&b and pop and um trying to bring that over just bringing different audiences to different um genres of music and letting them explore what they might not think they like you know so uh it's a big part of why i love playing music <laughs> Now I understand on uh, time for three you uh, you sing right. There's there's two two violinists who are also vocalists, right? and I guess the the double bass player is vocalist as well. Yeah, so we all sing. Um, I sing lead, but um, yeah, it's 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 a it's a complete. Uh, you know, it's just the three of us, and and we create all these sounds. So we think of each, we think of our instrumentation as three 
three, you know, three voices on, on our instruments and then three more voices on our voices. So six uh, voices total. And, and it's great to have this limitation and just to create within those confines. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it, it, it's a lot of fun. I found two other members in my, you know, the, in this group that are very like-minded. Same with Peter Dugan, who I collaborate with all the time. We're very like-minded, curious, and uh, I just love working with people like that. You'll be performing a concert with uh, Peter Dugan, I understand, at the, the, at the Moab Music Festival. Yep. <clears throat> and it, it's kind of mysterious. Yep. On the website, it says, program to be announced from the stage. It'll, it'll be uh, <laughs> it's classical and jazz and a bunch of, a bunch of stuff. Yep. Well, um, <clears throat> uh, another thing we like to do uh, is it, it, there's the element of surprise sometimes, you know, with the set list. And it's like if you went to a Rolling Stones concert, you wouldn't get a program of all the songs they're going to play back to back, you know. <laughs> so <laughs> for us, just that kind of to curate how the program works song after song is is uh, what we like to do, and that's what we're going to do in, uh, in in the show in Moab. Well, I want to get this in. Uh, I went to your website, uh, which is by charlesyangmusic.com, and you got some got some great music there. Um, and I, I pulled a bit of uh, the you you soloing with the uh, uh, Eric Korngold violin concerto. We'll we'll play that at the end of the concert. Uh, but this was just so oh, cool. fun. I had to I had to pull this at least part of this. Uh, you and Peter Dugan, the video is set I think out in Colorado, uh, but you're you're doing an homage to to Morricone. Uh, yeah, the, the the good, bad, and the ugly, and and I think you call this the bad and the ugly or something. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah, uh, so so you're on the violin, and Peter Dugan is what is he playing? The... He's playing, uh, Peter Dugan is, first of all, he's, you know, the host of NPR's uh, From the Top, but is one of the greatest pianists out right now. Um, but in this video, in this particular video, you know, we are out in uh, Colorado, no piano out in the, uh, out, out in the open, so, we, so he brought his melodica. Melodica, uh, that's what he yeah. It's, yeah. It, it's beautiful. So, so th- this is a nice sound, and you you really capture. Uh, it's it's a nice homage to uh, Morricone. Uh, let let's uh, let hear a bit of this.
Yeah, so you hear the ambiance there, and then it goes on. We'll, we'll just play that part. But uh, at the very end of the video, yeah. by the way, um, apparently somebody approaches, and you're heard <laughs> saying, hey, is it okay to film here? <laughs> Fairly was. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the whole thing was a silly video, and uh, we were actually there for uh, the Gateway Canyons uh, retreat. They, um, uh, Yeah, there's a great kind of think tank, and we performed there, and we were just playing out in this kind of open field. And, and um, I guess uh, someone that worked there drove by and <laughs> it was totally cool that we filmed there. He was just making, he was kind of double checking what we were doing because we were doing all these takes. <laughs> it was just silly <laughs> what we were doing. Yeah. Check it out. You can find it on Charles Yang's YouTube channel. Uh, it's just beautiful. A couple of these great performers just out in the wild, having some fun with, with uh, Morricone. Um, I wonder what, uh, you, I mean, you performed, Everywhere, right? Uh, not literally everywhere, but uh, m- many of the great <laughs> concert halls performed in some of these great mm-hmm. outdoor settings. Uh, do you have a, a favorite venue? Whew, that's a that's a hard one. I I mean, every summer I I, I you know I, I look forward to Moab actually, and I'm not just saying this because we're talking about Moab. Moab seriously is is a magical place, and you know. Of course, I can say, you know, we, we played the Music Varian um, this last year uh, in Vienna, which was a great hall. Um, of course, Carnegie Hall and, and some great, um, yeah, famous halls. But there's nothing like playing Bach uh, in the mountains. And that's something that I've done a couple times in Moab, just in these grottos, playing the Bach Chacon um, in the middle of nowhere where it seems. But the acoustics are perfect. It actually, the grottos look almost like an amphitheater because of how the water has just kind of dug into the land and it just produced this beautiful, um, yeah, just a beautiful natural hall. So I have to say, there's nothing more special than that, you know, um, kind of the unexpected. There's no tech, there's no nothing, you know, we're just playing out in the open and, um, and it's, you're collaborating with nature. With uh, you hear bird calls that kind of answer your playing, and it's it really is something special that you can't find anywhere else. No, that, that sounds beautiful. Sounds beautiful. Moab Music Festival is, is ongoing, goes through September 14th, and we're talking with uh, the wonderful violinist Charles Yang. He's performing at the uh, uh, at the Moab Music Festival, along with many other great performers, including Natalie Haas and, and um, Alistair Fraser, who we heard from earlier in the program. Um, so you're a composer as well. I do, yeah. I do compose. Uh, tell me a little bit about this. Because different musical muscles, I'm guessing, than performing, or is it similar? Yeah, it's definitely different muscles. You're right, but it's 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 just something. It goes back to me being curious about things, and I wouldn't say I'm a I'm a composer like um, a lot of modern composers are, you know, these days orchestrally. But for me, it's more of a, a songwriting approach and. Uh, just exploring different sounds um, with different voicings. So um, I love, for example, with Time for Three, we write, we all write together. Um, and it's, it's just, you know, we've been, we didn't train as composers, but we learned from school, you know, harmony and um, theory and, uh, and all these kind of voicing techniques that uh, just kind of help bring our ideas to the table. And we, 
we curate that towards our own sound. So I'm not, I'm not, I, I rarely compose for, um, for other, other things. It's mainly for either time for three or, um, or what, what I do with Peter or other collaborators, but it's just, it's, it's fun to, to, to be able to create your own thing and perform your own thing. Like the old masters used to do, you know, list and Chopin going on tour with their own music was just, while being virtuosos at their instrument was just so fascinating to me. So, um, yeah, I think that, I think that started probably in college and we've been doing it, uh, ever since we love arranging. Um, Peter and I will do a lot of arrangements, uh, in Moab and kind of like the Morricone, but less silly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but just, just finding, just finding a tune that people have known for so many years, you know, um, uh, some of their favorites and, reimagining them in a way that's fresh uh, and different, not exactly how they've heard it before. Uh, and it goes to classical music, too. It's, uh, if you find an interpretation that, that speaks to you, you know, your own voice, it's, it's, um, it's something we've trained up for many years. So it all kind of is uh, similar. But yeah, you're definitely right. It's a different muscle. <laughs> Oh, just have uh, two or three minutes left. I want to make sure we get uh, some of this uh, music in. So um, tell me a little, just a little bit about uh, this uh, Corn Gold uh, piece. Uh, this is on your website. Uh, this is from, in fact, you have the entire uh, first movement from the Corn Gold Violin Concerto with you performing a soloist. Yeah. Corn um, <clears throat> Gold's another one of these composers that uh, he is kind of the grandfather of the Hollywood sound or like uh, movie music, as they say. And, and um, a lot of his music... Uh, was recycled for, um, uh, recycled is a terrible word, but he used many of the themes for his concert music as well as his mu- movie music. And this borrows from many, many themes that he's written for for the screen. And um, yeah, it's, it's one of my favorite concertos. It's so juicy. And I played this uh, at the Crested Butte Music Festival some years ago. And um, yeah, hope you guys enjoy all right, so the place to go is charlesyangmusic.com, and for the Moab Music Festival, it's moabmusicfest.com. Uh, so we'll go out with this, but we'll say goodbye first. Uh, Charles Yang, it's been such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you. Tom, you too. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. Good luck there in New York, and uh, look forward to having you come out to Utah. Um, Thank you. So once again, moabmusicfest.com to, for the complete line. Um, and there's uh, there's a lot happening uh, through September 14th. Let's go out with this Charles Yang soloing uh, with a bit of the uh, Korngold uh, Violin Concerto.
listening to Utah Public Radio, a statewide member-supported service of Utah State University, KUSR Logan, KUSK Vernal, KUSL Richfield, KUST Moab, KCEU Price, KUSU FM Logan, also heard at upr.org.